the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Priorities, priorities, priorities. That's what we're talking about today. Today's message is about priorities. It's part four of that you may know, the test of life. Uh, John writes, as we talked about before, to remind the believers of what they should already know. They've been traumatized by false teachers. And he is writing now to comfort, to affirm, and to restore the confidence, the assurance of salvation and these people wounded by these false teachers. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the broadcast. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, Pastor Keith continues with our series in the book of 1 John, a series entitled, That You May Know. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of 1 John, chapter 2. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you for this day that we can remember you, Lord. Every day we should be that way, but this is the Lord's day where we look back at the resurrection and look forward to your return and live now for you. Uh, Help us to look into your word today, Father, and to uh, be changed by it. Lord, help us to be conformed to the image of your Son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we continue our study of 1 John. And if you haven't been with us and you've got some catch-up ball to play, you can go online and look at that or listen on our podcasts or the sermons. But for those of you who were here last week when we talked about the fact that uh, a believer is known by his love for God's word, his uh, love for God, which is, you know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and his love for the church. And those were some of the initial tests of life that John, John's epistle is all about, the test of life. How do we know? By this you know that you are his child because you, you bear the marks of a believer in your everyday conduct and life. 
You know, we marvel at the fact that people could say they love God's word and they love God, but they don't want to be with the church. And you know, if, you, if the first two are true and the third isn't, then the first two probably aren't true either. And we, not, we marvel at how blunt John was about that, or shall we say, the Holy Spirit speaking through the apostle's pen. And today, we go from last week's son of thunder, that was one of John's nicknames, to a more fatherly apostle of love. And again, if you've not been with us before, as we go through 1 John, you can see that John can thunder at one moment and in the very next breath be a tender fatherly or grandfatherly. He's in his late 80s when he's writing this. And And you forget that those two personalities are one and the same. John is full of grace and truth like Jesus was. And so all grace and no truth really isn't truth at all. It's not loving at all. And all truth without grace isn't loving either. And John is filled with both. And you see that play out in this epistle. Now his shift in gears sometimes is jolting because we forget that this letter was written to be read straight through before a congregation. And we're breaking it up into pieces. And so sometimes you feel like you're making a hard right turn or a hard left turn or hitting the brake suddenly. But that's not really the case. There is a flow of thought here to be followed. Letters, like conversations, have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And that's one reason we, as we preach through a book of the Bible, we follow the discourse. We don't isolate a word and spend three days talking about propitiation because then you lose the whole flow of the discourse and you miss the point of the passage. And that's why we try to preach blocks a lot of times rather than just one verse because you want to see God's flow of thought in the text. And so today we go from whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him in 1 John 2, 4 for example to something more conciliatory almost, something more fatherly. And when I look at this, when I look at John and how he talks, and it's a bizarre comparison on the surface, it reminds me of my dad. My dad uh, could be very, very tough and very, very loving and tender all at once. He was one of the most gentle, sweet people I ever met in my life. His father died during the Great Depression when he was 12. He became the man of the family. He came up on the poor side of town and he came up hard. He gave me my work ethic. He gave me my initial ethical system before I became a Christian. I worked in the family business. And if you know, working for your dad can be challenging. Particularly when you're a young man and dumb as a mud fence. As I was then. And probably still am now to some extent. And there were times where dad would take me aside and give me a talking to and really set me straight. And then inevitably, it, even though he wasn't a believer and he didn't know much about or if anything about the Bible, he always followed those tough conversations up with a restoration conversation, even as an unbeliever. And so he would lay down the business like John has just done And then he'd say, you know, I love you, boy. And then he would, through words of affirmation, give me a summation of the lesson and give me the big idea that he wanted me to take away. And that's what we see here in 1 John 2. We have the initial artillery barrage. 
And then you watch him shift gears and say in his own way, you know, I love you, boy, or boys and girls, because he's talking to the church there. And he'll use these terms of affection, and then he'll give them the big takeaway. And we're going to see that today in today's passage. We're going to see the affirmation, the restoration after those first hard words, you might say. And then he's going to give us all as he gives them there the big idea. So let's look at 1 John 2, 12 through 17. And here's what we see. I am writing you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. You see these terms of endearment. I am writing you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write you, children, because you know the Father. I write you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write you, young men, because you are strong and because the word of God abides in you and because you have overcome the evil one. So what's up with all of this? What we see here is he's saying, you know, I love you, don't you, boy? And he's saying, you're God's children. And implicitly, they're an invisible ink. And what follows, invisible ink is, so act like it. Remember whose you are. Remember who you belong to. You're his son. And so we go into, from uh, John's, you know, I love you, boy, statements, to verse 15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This is, uh, you're my son, so act like it. He's saying, be careful of what you set your affections upon. Be careful of what dominates and governs the way that you think and speak in front of people. Be careful how you live. And then he goes into further explanation in verses 16 and 17. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, other translations say the lust of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, some translations say the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. In verse 17, and the world, and the world is passing away with all of its desires, but whoever does the will of the Father will abide forever. He's saying, remember who you are. Remember how you're you're supposed to be. This other stuff here, this lust of the flesh, this lust of the eyes, the pride, the boastful pride of life, it really really isn't about our family. It really isn't about me. It really isn't about you, son, daughter. And these things are important because they don't last. Don't get wrapped up in that. You're my son, act like it. But whoever does the will of the Father abides in him forever. Keep your priorities straight, son. Priorities, priorities, priorities. That's what we're talking about today. Today's message is about priorities. It's part four of that you may know, the test of life. Uh, the, the John writes, as we talked about before, to remind the believers of what they should already know. They've been traumatized by false teachers And he is writing now to comfort, to affirm, and to restore the confidence, the assurance of salvation in these people wounded by these false teachers. 
19th century commentator Charles Simeon describes the passage this way. The apostle has been addressing the whole Christian church according to their age and stature in the divine life under the names of little children, young men, and fathers. And now to the one as well as to the other of these classes, he gives these important injunctions in our text. And the thrust of it is whatever our attainments may be in the divine life as Christians, we still need the voice of warning and exhortation to keep us from the evils to which we are exposed. As believers, we are encompassed by temptations and ever liable to be ensnared and trapped by them. And so with this awareness that we always need to be on guard, that we live in a fallen world, that we have these fallen bodies, no matter where we are in our faith walk, whether we are like fathers, we've been Christians for a long time, or like children new to the faith, or maybe just immature, we need to be reminded of how we think, how we are to live, how we are to act. We cannot let our guard down. We need to remember whose son, whose daughter we are and act like it. And so today I'd like to take this passage and distill three injunctions or three warnings or three exhortations or three commands derived and distilled from our text by which we can organize our thoughts around what we just read. And here they are in summary form. We want to consider and implement these three things. Cling to what is true. Detach and discard the rest. Some things have to go. And do the will of God. So let's walk through this together. Number one, cling to what is true. You see that in 1 John 2, 12 through 15. Don't be deceived and ensnared by the devil's lies is what's going on here. Remember what is true. I am writing you little children because... Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. You are secure in Christ. I am writing you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. Remember what you know, the message that you heard. You know Christ and you are saved. This is the assurance or reassurance of their salvation. I am writing you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I am writing you children because you know the father. Jesus says, having seen me, you have seen the Father. You know the Father, you know me, you know me, you know the Father. I write you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write you young men because you are strong and because the word of God abides in you and because you have overcome the evil one. And then we come to verse 15, this command. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I can almost hear my father say, you know, I love you, boy. You're God's child. Act like it. You can certainly see this, right? Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You cannot serve two masters. Cling to what is true. You cannot worship two gods. You cannot live a double life. Be careful what you set your, your heart upon, your mind upon. You cannot love the world, the junk, the things of the world. Because if you do, it says a lot about your love for God. So remember who you are, whose you are, and what you are. You are my son, my daughter, Christian. Live and act like it. Establish the right priorities. Cling to what is true. Because we are to bear witness to Christ. And as we noted last week, 
we have to love what he loves and we have to hate what he hates. And there is a love that God hates, and that is a love of idols. It's a love of misplaced priorities. It's the love of the world. 1 John 2, 15, do not, it's a command, it's an emphatic, do not love the world or the things of the world. There is a love and attraction and affection that you cannot afford to allow to develop in your heart or your soul or your mind. The love of things on this fallen, corrupt earth can obscure or occlude your love for God and your neighbor. And if we love God, if we are related to, connected to God and Christ, we'll have the right priorities and we will not be seduced. We will not let our guard down. We will not flirt with an affair with the things that are in opposition to God. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, if anyone loves the culture, the love of the Father is not in him. If you love me, right, Jesus said in John 14, 15, you'll keep my commandments. Do not love the world, love me. Do not love the world or the things of the world, love me. You are my child, act like it. That's what's bound up here, both in these terms of endearment and these terms of affection and the verses and assurances that come with them and the command not to love the world. He says, I'm writing you little children because your sins are forgiven. You are a child of God. I'm loving you fathers because you know him. I'm writing you young men because you've overcome the evil one. I'm writing you children because you know the father. I write you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write you young men because you are strong, because the word of God abides in you, because you have overcome the evil one. Therefore, do not love the world or the things of the world. You have overcome the world. You have put your faith in Christ. You belong to him. He has done for you what you could not do for yourself. Be faithful to him. You are part of the bride of Christ, Christian, and there's no room for adultery. Friendship with this world is hostility towards God, and you cannot serve two masters. Cling to what is true. Cling to what is true. You know, you see these affirmations at the beginning. And it reminds us that a lot of times Satan whispers in our ears, how can you be a Christian if you behave like that? You say you follow Christ and then he convinces you that you're his. It's like paying rent to an old landlord where you don't live anymore. And, he, and, and John is reminding them of what they should already know. They're Christ, act like it. Which brings us to Martin Luther. Somebody once said, and I agree with him, if I was back in college, I'd like to go to class with John Calvin, but party with Luther. And uh, there was a story of a visitor, a man visited Wartburg Castle where Martin Luther had been exiled. And during the tour of the castle, you know, the, and the docent has taken him through, and, the, he, and, and Luther's room or, or bedroom, there's a, ink, you know, a black spot on the wall. And he said, what's that? And he said, well, Luther used to have these nightmares that he was not good enough. Of course he's not good enough. Nobody is. And Satan would say, ah, oh, you're supposed to serve God. Do the people know what you think in these thoughts? Do the people know how you treated so-and-so yesterday? And the story goes that as, the, as, as Satan gave him a list of his sins, that Luther became more anxious and his guilt grew and grew and grew. And, fu- and Luther is said to have woken up from the dream 
and said, the blood of Christ has cleansed me from all these sins. Be gone, Satan. And he reaches over to his nightstand and he throws the ink well that was there up against the wall where Satan had stood in the dream. And thus the stain on the wall. But the stain of sin had been washed away from Luther and he clung to that with all his imperfections and foibles. And he loved the Lord his God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that kept him on mission. And that applies to you too. You have to cling to what is true. You're going to have setbacks in your spiritual walk. You're not going to feel saved every day. You're not going to act saved every day, but you are saved because of what Christ has done for you, not because of what you've done for him. And so we have to live in light of that truth. And part of that involves us walking in a way that pleases him because we love him, acting like a son of God, a child of God. It involves keeping our priorities straight and to keep your priorities straight, you have to cling to what is true. You have to remember what is true. You have to preach the gospel to yourself every day. Then what? Well, that brings us to, that's a good question. That brings us to our second injunction or the second command. To act like a Christian, to think like a Christian, to act like a child of your father, to have the right priorities, you certainly have to cling to what is true and then you have to detach and discard the rest. Detach and discard the rest. You see that in John 2.16. And it's really a father's explanation. For all that is in the world... The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. Okay, where is the detach and discard here? It's implicit in the text. Friends, when it comes to the priorities, the right priorities, the priorities of a Christ follower, of a God lover, of somebody who loves his word, of somebody who loves him, because if you love his word, you're going to love him, and if you really love him, somebody who loves the church, being among the people of God, being with the people of God, your priorities are going to be reordered. And the things of the world, the lusts of the flesh, the unhealthy desires of the body, you might say, the, the, the lust of the eyes, the cravings that you see that are anti-God, or the boastful pride of human life, They have no place. They have no place. You can give them no quarter. You cannot tolerate them for a minute. That's why when you're tempted, you've got about six seconds to remember. You need to think differently, right? Right thinking leads to right actions, attitudes, words, and deeds. And so these things of the world should have no place with us, right? They have to be cast away from us. Paul talks about in Ephesians and Colossians, putting off and putting on here. This is the putting off part. Now, here's the problem. People say, well, okay, so give me a list of these things so I can't do them. Well, human beings like rules, right? They like to paint by the numbers, but God wants us to think. And sure enough, if I gave you a list, I'd leave something off. And, and God in his providence and sovereignty, knowing the human condition, rather than give a list of do's and don'ts here, he gives us three categories of the types of things to watch out for. And this 
watching out for these things as part of our worship. You know what the word worship comes from? It comes from worthship. And it speaks to the worthiness of God for our devotion. And if we love God, we'll be on guard for these things. We'll be looking to pull these weeds out of our, the garden of our souls and cast them away from us. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.